Introducing the Two-Way V4, where groundbreaking fuel cell technology meets fresh foam cushioning for the ultimate performance. With fuel cell, each step feels explosive, delivering unparalleled energy return. Paired with fresh foam, experience maximum comfort throughout the game. Its lightweight textile upper offers support and breathability without sacrificing agility. Whether you're hitting the clutch shot or locking down the opposition, the Two-Way V4 gives you the tools to play at a high level. Learn more and purchase the Two-Way for yourself at newbalance.com. Welcome to On the Bench. I am Josh Newberg, and I've got Chris Nee and Brendan Sinone here with me. Fellas, it's been a couple days since we've sat down together and recorded a show, so there's a lot to cover today. It should be a fun podcast. Huh? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Brendan, welcome back to Eastern Standard Time. You made it back just in time to um, jump right into the fire. How are you doing? Oh, I'm I'm great. Yeah, I had a had a nice few days out in Seattle, dancing my butt off at an Indian wedding. It was a lot of fun, a lot of good food, uh, some shakiness coming back into town. Not a lot of sleep the last few days, and uh, you don't need it. Apparent, apparently, I was supposed to be recording podcasts while on the airplane to some of our listeners. So sorry, guys, but but we're here now. Everyone can no. calm down. Everyone, calm down. Speaking of calm, Chris, how you doing? Calm, very calm. All right. Since our last show, there's been a few developments. FSU held their first preseason scrimmage. There's been some recruiting developments and the rumors coming out of camp just seem to intensify each day. That's how you can tell football season is getting close. Like you can literally feel the, the tension in the air. Can you feel it, Brendan? I could feel it all the okay. way down to my plums. Thank you. So let's get it started. And as always, I think we should probably just start with the rumors. It's been dominating the Knowles 24-7 message boards. It's all over social media. Let me just first preface it by saying that we can't report on injuries. Uh, Mike Norvell and everyone at FSU has been great with us from a professional standpoint. Um, We've got access to Mike Norvell, the whole program, off-field coaches. You guys reap the benefits as well as we do some of these interviews in the offseason. And they've asked us to not do a few things. And honestly, they don't ask for much in return for for what they give us. Um, But one thing that Coach Norvell has asked is that we don't report on injuries. So we're not going to report on injuries on this podcast or on the website. Unless but, he unless he discloses the injuries but, or elaborates. Oh, okay. All right. I think we can but, like there's still some things that are public, like you said, that Mike Norvell has said himself. Um, so we're gonna get into it. And if you live under a rock, the rumors that have been swirling the past 48 hours have been around FSU's quarterbacks, specifically the number one and number two QBs getting um, days of rest or load management or whatever you want to call it right here in the middle of fall camp. So Brendan, why don't you tell us what we know, what Mike Norvell has said and what, just what we've seen. All right, let's go chronologically in this and Chris or Josh, feel free to jump in if there's anything to elaborate or correct. Uh, so Chris was out in Jacksonville on Thursday and Friday uh, documented. I was out of town. So Chris was in Jacksonville covering FSU's uh, remote practices on Friday Mackenzie Milton was limited with a uh, Mike Norvell said is a workload load management planned date. Uh, so that was 
that was that as far as my understanding is concerned that this is something they just want to kind of limit him remember this is a guy who's coming off of a significant knee injury hasn't had a ton of reps no in-game reps in two years so that made sense to me it's like hey dog days of summer we'll make sure he's ready for the scrimmage on saturday that's what mike norvell said my understanding is mckenzie milton played a lot in the scrimmage was able to go uh so that's what's public right now then the last couple days uh, the the internet and Twitter rumors have been running rampant about the availability of quarterbacks. I guess that's what I can say right now with what's on record, other than Mike Norvell saying that he's given the younger quarterbacks, Chubba Purdy and Tate Rotomaker, more extensive looks the last couple days in practice, which I can confirm those guys have gotten a lot of reps while he's scaled back the reps of Jordan Travis and Mackenzie Milton. Chris, anything to add there? No, I, I mean, clarifying some other rumors, Milton was present in Jackson on Friday. He just did not participate in the practice, but I actually saw him that morning when I was there for practice um, before the practice itself got going from a viewing standpoint. And yeah, I mean, that's about it. It's been a lot of Tate, a lot of trouble. Yeah, we last two days have been. Yeah, we recorded last uh, Thursday or Friday, and that's I was Friday. accused. I was actually accused by some of stirring the pot. Surprise, well, surprise. To be to be fair, you do love stirring the pot. Yeah, but I, I was you didn't stir I was, the pot the other day, but you do have a history of it. But right? I was not stirring the pot. I mean, what I was saying was that KZ had taken a day off right before the first scrimmage. I thought that was a little weird. And I said on the pod, though, hey, if KZ's out there and he scrimmages, then maybe all is for not. My concern is for not. Well, he did scrimmage, and you know, from what we can gather. Um, him and Jordan Travis took the bulk of, I think Mike Norvell said the two of them combined took 85% of the snaps. Is that number right? Correct. Um, so we know, so we know he participated how there was a hundred people there. I talked to several people and we'll get into some of the scrimmage notes that were in attendance at the scrimmage. And I can confirm two things. One KZ scrimmaged two. He was not injured during the scrimmage. He was not carted off the field. He was not limping off the field. There was no, sign of an injury that occurred during the scrimmage however um since then he has gotten another day off two days off since then well monday was closed because of tropical storm fred so that was virtual only. Right. but tuesday wednesday correct right and mike norvell said that so we know he's had two days off so this goes back to what i was saying on friday when i said i just think it's 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 crazy to me that like this is a QB battle where nobody's proven that they're the leader and guys, veteran guys are getting the day off. Of course, it sounds crazy unless, you know, there's more going on underneath the surface, which there probably is. So that takes us to today. Uh, today is Wednesday. When is the next scrimmage? Sunday. Sa Sunday or Saturday? Sunday or Saturday? I think it's Sunday. I believe it's Sunday afternoon. I'll double check that. I'm still okay. on West Coast time, and my days are blurred of the week. So Chris is probably right on that. We'll check here. Yeah, second scrimmage is Sunday to 22nd. Okay. So based on what I know, and I do feel like I know quite a bit, um, based on what I know, I think we'll see KZ and Jordan Travis participate in Saturday's scrimmage. I, I don't feel comfortable like putting in a timeline of like when I think they'll be back, Josh, but going on what you know, what I know, and I would like to reassure our listeners and readers at Knowles 24-7, while we are painting within the lines and trying our best to, to kind of do within the boundaries and parameters of what FSU has set, of what they would like for us to do or not do in exchange for, for access uh, to the program and to practices, 
I will say this, if we knew, if we had word and indication that there was a serious injury that we could confirm and say it was going to limit a potential starting quarterback for weeks or months, I would put that out there. Like that would be, that would be journalistically, like we would have to cover the program in that way. And, and I couldn't play within that certain standard. So I'm with you in that. I don't think it's going to be a long-term deal with the information we currently right. have. Does that make sense? Uh, yeah. Um, and it's also not going to quell the rumors anytime soon. Just right now, as you were answering that, I got a text from a buddy inquiring about KZ's health and his status. <laughs> so, I've gotten multiple people texting the story that we wrote today. I had one person say that headline was sensational. You know how much like sensational lies. You know how much I struggled with that headline. Had mm -hmm. other people saying it was a good job painting within the, the rules. I've had one person say that I pushed it a little too far. So I don't know. It's all over the place. This has been an interesting day in terms of just figuring out how to cover the program with this whole new world we have with access, but um, a, a request to, to play along in certain um, yeah. facets. Um, Chris, you and I have been debating since back in the spring when Mike Norvell is going to name a starter. <laughs> Does the, what do you think the timeline could be for this? I mean, I can't imagine it would be before the game week, right? I'm not expecting a tweet anytime soon declaring a starter. We're not going Northwestern on this. Week. But do you think we'll even go into the game weekend? Because the game's on Sunday night. Like, do you think we'll go into the game weekend? I, knowing I the don't know. Start? I I am, um, I don't know. I, I legitimately am not sure when the heck it's going to come. I think some of it depends on their ability to get back out there, take reps, do what you want to do, what comes of the scrimmage. You know, if they have the second scrimmage, both of them participate to a level equal of what they did in the first one, and someone's clear cut after those two scrimmages, maybe you go ahead and do it. But uh, too many moving pieces, too many. I, I'm not confident one way or the other that. Hell, I'm not sure he's ever going to name a starter, to be perfectly honest. I think they're both going to play. I mean, we've said that dating back to the spring and certainly during mm -hmm. the season run-up. Um, so I'm not entirely convinced that we truly have a defined starter outside of this dude took the first rep. Yeah, this is as murky as it's ever been for me. I've been pretty staunch that I thought that, you know, uh, KZ was going to be the starter. But I always prefaced it by saying as long as he's healthy, like that was always what I was saying. And um, days days off like this, it's just not a good sign. Like I've never seen anything like this in a fall camp with with guys that are battling it out. So something's going on. But um, Brendan, um, <laughs> we've been watching the third and the fourth string QBs take reps with the ones, correct? I'm not allowed to talk about depth chart stuff, but that, that sounds about correct. Well, I mean, we're not naming names, but I mean. Journalism's so fun. I'm so glad at I some point, you got to. Fake news! At some point, if the if the one and two QBs are out, then that means the three and fours are now the one and twos by default. So. You know, I don't want to put, I don't want to put numbers or labels on it. I'm just going to say Chubba. Quarterbacks are the only people not out there, though. Chubba Purdy and Tate Rotomaker are getting extensive reps with what I would believe would be a cast of offensive players who are going to play a great deal this season. Is that what you're looking for? Is that no, give me more. I want more. <laughs> All right. So, so those are the young guys. Those are not expected to start this season unless things go Hypothetically terribly. speaking. 
hypothetically speaking, and I would say they're throwing the ball to guys like Keyshawn Helton. They're being protected by guys who played a lot of snaps, like a Such Dylan Gibbons, Dante <laughs> Lucas. Uh, so, so yeah, they have uh, they're handing the ball to Jay Sean Corbin a lot. I mean, am I painting a clear enough picture with this, Josh? Can you tell I'm frustrated by the last forty eight hours? Is that coming? There's nothing to be frustrated about. This is fun. This is fall camp. Um, here's a good one. Hypothetically speaking, mm-hmm. if you were going into game one. Do you think the number three or the number four QB, if called upon, would start? <laughs> I think Chubba Purdy would give FSU the best chance to win games uh, among him and Tate Rotomaker. Is he three or four right now? <laughs> you don't have to answer. I was that. trying to be. I was trying to be funny in a way to answer it. My brain's fried right now. I mean, I, they they are splitting reps. It would be tough to tell, Josh. Honestly, mm-hmm. within a the context of practice, like who is ahead of the other. They did a really good job the last couple of days of splitting reps among those guys, like they've done with yeah. Jordan and 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 Casey as well. Chuba is. Uh, gives you the ability to run a more complex and wider option of offense with his athleticism. Both Chris, so are, are a little shaky. What up? How has Chubba Purdy looked um, coming back off these surgeries? I mean, with both of them, Tate and Chubba, it's been a mixed bag. I, Tuesday was dreadful. There were eight turnovers on Tuesday. Mission Takeaway tells you there were eight turnovers on Tuesday. We're telling you that two guys handled the quarterback snaps on Tuesday. So deduce from that what you will. Uh, it wasn't good, and it wasn't good for either of them. And truthfully, I, I've been – here's the thing. Tate, vertically, best on the team. Had the ability to throw it down the field and make that long throw, he's best on the team. Problem with Tate is bad decisions when the bullets are flying 100%. When they're in 11-on game situation, bullets are flying, bad decisions. And similar Chubb, to what we saw last year when he was on yes, the field. Yes, and it's concerned similar to what we saw in the spring game when he held it too long, for example. Um, on the Chubba side, there's times where – not today. They did a good job today, both of them evaluating the ball. But there have been times, especially with Chubba, where because of the athleticism, he tries to make something when there is nothing there with the arm while moving, and he gets himself in trouble. Uh, poor throw, bad decision, throwing with horrible mechanics, off his back foot, fading away, putting up in the ear, easy to go, go get it. Too much of that. When Chubba is very much a straightforward, throwing it down the field, building up, going downfield, he's okay. Vertical throws are so-so. Tate's certainly better in that regard. When he runs it and throws it, and it's very much a north-south player, he's he's capable. There's stuff there. But it would scare the living hell out of me if either of them had to start a game right now for FSU. Yeah. To just be perfectly honest, based on what I've watched and of them in the preseason. Appreciate your honesty. Um, <clears throat> we're going to get into some of the scrimmage notes now. But before we do that, I wanted to remind people or just let people know that we have a 75% off an annual membership right now. That's one hell of a deal. I think it's only good for like one more day. I would take advantage now. Um, We run promos from time to time. I only get on here and tell you guys when it's one that you should really take advantage of. Like if you listen to this podcast religiously, then there's no reason you shouldn't be on the site all year round. And this gives you the opportunity to get on the site for 75% off. Go d- do it right now. Sign up at Knowles 24-7. There's a little join link in the right upper right-hand corner. Um, these practice notes, we'll get into it. Some of the scrimmage notes that I heard from um, some sources that were in attendance. Like I said, there was um, about 100 former players and coaches on the sidelines for the scrimmage that were all in town for Coach Bowden's funeral over the weekend. Um, the scrimmage started at about 7 p.m. 
on Saturday. And I posted a couple things that I was hearing in the morning and I'll start rolling through this guys. If you want to jump in at any point and um, add to it or comment, just feel free. Um, the QBs rotated, as we said at the top of the show, Jordan Travis and Mackenzie Milton got equal reps, I was told, or at least close to it. And now we know that uh, Mike Norvell has said that they took 85% of the snaps, the two of those combined. Uh, Milton hit uh, Malik McLean on a bomb. That was kind of his highlight play. I was told it went for about 45 yards. And Jordan Travis hit Keyshawn Helton on a deep ball on a touchdown that uh, he got out of the pocket, scrambled around and, and made a play. I was told that all three running backs had a good day. Um, Jay Sean Corbin has come in looking even more explosive than he was last year. Um, you know, he was kind of, he was very average last year, in my opinion, lacked some of that explosion that we saw out of him as a recruit and at Texas A&M prior to his injury. It sounds like all three backs have put on some weight. Um, Lawrence Toa Philly being one that we've, you know, had talked about at times needing to add more. It seems like he has. Have you guys noticed that on Toa Philly at all? Yeah, he actually, I was going to say today, he actually had one he caught in the end zone. And he got popped pretty good. I think Shaheen Brown may have popped him and he held on to it. And it's a play where last year, I don't know if he takes that hit and holds on to the ball because it was a pretty solid stud in the end zone of that. But yeah, Toa Philly definitely, he's not huge. He hasn't drastically changed that body, but yes, he's filled it out a little bit. He's playing stronger, and he's had a couple plays like that the last few days, Josh, uh, where, like Chris mentioned, where he gets hit and still holds on to the ball upon contact. So for someone they want to use in a variety of ways, that extra strength is has kind of shown up a couple times here recently. Moving to the offensive line. Oh, real, real quick, yeah. Josh, who's the third running back? Because I had someone ask me after your, your – uh, scrimmage recap who the third running back is oh i, I was thinking might be surprised it, of who it is yeah it's uh i was talking about dj williams oh i thought it was trey sean ward i thought it was the king of the spring no D- and dj's actually gone the other way they're trying to get dj down to like 208 210 mm-hmm. and i believe he's mm-hmm. kind of he's right around that area i think he came in at like 222 yes he was very heavy when he came in i when i talked to David Johnson, just before the beginning of preseason camp, did the video interview with him. I also spoke to him a little bit afterwards, talked about LT, and he mentioned that LT has put on about 15 pounds since arrival of weight change, good weight. And then with uh, DJ Williams, he talked about how he has done a good job of trimming up, mm-hmm. improving his stamina. You know, the thing with him is they want him to finish still like a big back because he is still, for them, a big back. Yeah. And at 208, 210, I mean, that's like you said, that's, that's the bigger, the biggest back on Florida state's roster right now. So yeah, they like where, where all those guys have, have come in the, in the off season, whether it be rehabbing, gaining weight, losing weight. Um, overall, the offensive line I told was kind of, kind of in the middle. They, uh, they did some, some good things with run blocking, but they got to get pe- better at pass blocking. I was told that there's just sometimes the same things that we saw last year, some jailbreak moments where guys just were confused at who whose man was whose and, and one go, guy goes in untouched. Some of the more frustrating things, but I was told that they did a good job run blocking. Um, switching it over to the defensive line. That's been consistent real quick, Josh, is that the offensive line I think is, is pretty solid with run blocking. Pass pro has its ups and downs. The issue to me that I've seen, uh, and it sounds like it was reflecting the scrimmage, 
is those downs lead to some pretty catastrophic errors. You mentioned like jailbreak stuff. So that's still something that needs to be cleaned up. And they are working through with a lot of different combinations, still developing chemistry. So that's still allowed to get better. It is, I think, fair to say a work in progress right now, the offensive line. Yeah. And then as far as the defensive line goes, I was told not only were, were they the strength of the defense, but probably the, the best unit on the team right now. Um, at least the starting, the starting four are, you know, the, the top line guys. Um, after the starting four, you know, there's some issues with size. Um, I think there's quite a fall off after that top line of defenders on the front line. Um, but they performed well. You know, I don't know what that says for FSU's offensive line, but the defensive line did perform well. We, we've been answering that question or throwing out that hypothetical for it feels like four or five years now, Josh, right? Like that right. it was at the offensive line that's not performing well. Is it the defensive line dominating? And sometimes like with Brian Burns, it was him dominating and the offensive line not looking very good. And, you know, other times like last preseason camp, Joshua Kendo was dominating. The offensive line wasn't, wasn't great. So I, I don't You know, know who for the D-line though, I – think I can go out there and say, yes, I've been impressed, is Dennis Briggs. Yeah, Dennis Briggs. One, sure. one we got to remember Briggs last year had an abbreviated season because he sat out for a majority of it. Um, but his body is where it needs to be for what they want him to be, which is that interior, tall, lean, athletic, strong player that he's become. He's been good consistently. Day in, day out, he's been good. And, you know, it's been him and Fabian love it a lot in the middle. And then you got, you know, Coop's obviously in that mix. And then you got guys like Joshua Farmer and uh, Jarrett Jackson, Jackson to a lesser degree trying to work into that mix too. And Jarrett Jackson has got himself in better shape. He is having good days. The message boards had a little bit of a weird infatuation with thinking he's made some massive leap. Uh, I would hesitate to go that far. But could he be serviceable and give you depth reps? Yeah, I think he could. And also the defensive line, I think really kind of fueling the strength along with the emergence of Dennis Briggs and in those top three defensive tackles, the edge players, you know, Jermaine Johnson is what we thought he was in the spring. He continues to be impactful and disruptive in both the run game and the pass game with his length and quickness. Mm-hmm. But Kier Thomas, and we talked about him on the pod, I know last week, he just continues to, to impress. Uh, his emergence to me has been a game changer in how I view the defensive line. Like, I don't know if he's going to be, a stud necessarily but he is someone who's going to be very consistent and is going to be able to give you a multiple looks with what you do up front with his versatility so as long as he stays healthy and he's available throughout the course of the year i think your your top two defensive ends your top three defensive tackles are really solid and you're just kind of filling in the gaps from there hoping two or three other guys step up and i think that's reasonable to, to expect that they could go in that direction so yeah defensive line being a strength on saturday josh doesn't really surprise me i think that's probably been the best group from start to finish through 10 days of camp. Yeah, Quayshon Fuller, slight step forward, good step forward, definitely much better mindset these days. McClendon, you know, he's, I don't think he's there. He's still working to where he needs to be. Marcus Cushney is a nice additional rep taker. Last year, DNs got worn out because they played so many reps in a row. I think they'll be able to rotate a little bit more this year without a massive fall off. Hmm. Yeah, and uh... – those are some names that have that you heard that stood out. Uh, just some overall notes from people that were there, some people familiar with the team, some people not. A lot of people commented on the size of the team. I mean, it's something that we've said here. Maybe we don't say it enough, but this is not, you know, these are this is not your typical Florida State size team, just across the board. Um, mm-hmm. guys do stand out, guys do flash, but overall the team size still needs to improve greatly. 
I, yeah. I, I think that's fair to say. I mean, there's a couple guys like Jermaine Johnson, Keir Thomas, Jordan Wilson. These are all transfers, mind you. So I think it does speak to what the development has been the last three or four years, even going into maybe even longer than that, going into this season. Uh, but mm-hmm. a lot of the guys who do pass the eye test are almost all transfers. Uh, so, yeah, I, I do think that speaks to the, the caliber of recruit. And also remember, they're also uh, recruiting to a pretty small, like fast scheme, both on offense and defense under Willie Taggart. So you're kind of switching to more pro style stuff on both sides of the ball as well. But I think that's a fair critique for the most part across the board. It doesn't look what you would expect a you know, FSU teams about seven, eight years ago when it doesn't look what like doesn't look like what they look like. It's no secret they're trying to change that in recruiting too. Every alignment they're taking is bigger than pretty much what they have currently among that group. Certainly when those guys came in. Um yeah, they're trying to get bigger. I think the only position that they're on, honestly kind of downsizing the size of the person they're bringing in is defensive tackle. Maybe cornerback, too. They seem to be okay with length and quick feet rather than just being tall, too. That's not across the board. All right. Overall, I was told that the staff was pleased with the first scrimmage. Um, it was somewhat controlled. It definitely wasn't wide open. Like, this wasn't um, completely – uh, just a, a wide open game. I was told that the second scrimmage will be more of that. Guys can go up and down the field a little bit more. This was more situational. Um, anything to add before we move on? Anything from the scrimmage that you guys want to move on? I don't think we should put too much weight into the first scrimmage. I think a lot of times that's kind of what happens in the preseason. So, mm-hmm. but you can if you want, go crazy. No, especially now that we are getting steady access to practice. Like a lot of what you discussed, Josh, is pretty reflective of what we've seen throughout the last week or so. So mm-hmm. it doesn't seem like it advanced a whole lot of things uh, in my estimation. Yeah, I just more so like get talking to people that haven't been around this program yeah. this year or in a while and just getting their, their up close and personal uh, reflection on what it, they saw. It was interesting uh, because there were, Saturday was also at the services for Bobby Bowden. And so there were a ton of coaches and former players in town. So there were a lot of people apparently that were on the sideline for the scrimmage. It was closed to the media, but I mean, there were, there were people all across the scrimmage that, that haven't really gotten to see the practices. Um, right. So there were a lot of eyes on scrimmage on Saturday. Yeah. And it, it, the scrimmage emboldened one of the common themes of this preseason, which is those first two guys, Mount and Travis are doing a fairly good job valuing the football. They may not always move the offense. They may not always find success, but they're not hurting the team by giving away a short field or a turnover. That's an easy, uh, quick change. The next two, that's been an issue. And it was, again, an issue on Tuesday. It was an issue before the scrimmage, too, at times. So that's one of those things where, as they are trying to develop that quarterback depth, those guys have to get better at it. There's just mm-hmm. there's simply instances where – Got to swallow it, take the sack. A sack's much better than, uh, you know, interception by a linebacker who's about to streak down the sideline and score six on you. Or, or even just throwing it to a defensive end. I mean, that, that happened on Tuesday, too, where they yeah. just got thrown right to an unblocked man. So. And you just can't do that. When you're not a very good football team and the margins are so thin, you can't give away free points. All right, let's move on to recruiting. There have been some developments um, yesterday. Four-star IMG Academy wide receiver, tight end Jaleel Skinner, announced that he has set a decision date. Um, He had been rumored to maybe be doing it in the early summer. He pushed it back, said that there was no timetable. Well, yesterday he set his decision date for October 9th. We all have crystal balls on Jaleel Skinner to FSU. I don't. Um, You don't? 
I don't. Okay. Brendan does. I do. I will. Who does? Zach does as well. And so does Will. You know me. I'm hesitant to join a group. I stuck my neck out with John Willis. (laughs) We're going to get to that one in a second. When that happened, I was preparing for the wedding when that all got unfolded and and what actually happened. And I was like, man, my boy Chris is never going to change a crystal ball or be first in line again after this, at least for like a year. It's going to turn you off from being aggressive. Sorry that that happened to you. We're going to get into that. We're going to dissect all that. But first, let's stick to Julio Skinner. And what? So the October 9th date. What does it mean to you? What does it mean to me? It's probably different. It's around his birthday. But I think my birthday is October 11th, if anyone cares. Nobody cares. Mike Norvell's birthday is October 11th, too. Nobody cares. But what does it mean? What does it mean to you, the date, is in terms of of where FSU stands? I think he wants to see a little bit of the season Mm -hmm. and how teams are and how they perform and what they do. And who are we talking about here with him? It's what? FSU, Alabama, Miami. Clemson is one of five. He named five, right? In Texas. In Texas. Yep. Clemson doesn't expect it to beat them based on what Clemson people have said. Um, I think Anna, in fact, said that on her message. Unless they do something different and turn up the heat. Yeah, but I think they're focused on Oscar Delp. And Agreed. I think there's somebody after Delp that they value more. Agreed. So no, it's on them. Bama has a guy who's kind of like Julio and uh, Amari Niblack, but, you know, it's Alabama. If they want to upgrade or do what they want to do, they'll be in it. But he doesn't. He's not. When you say, I said, what does it mean to you? You said, well, it means he wants to watch games. He's not, if it was Alabama. He doesn't really need to watch games. You're right. I agree with you there. Um, But I do think if it's FSU, Texas, or Miami, yes, he wants to see some. Who are these teams on the field? What are they doing? Especially in Texas's case with a new coach in Sark. Yeah. So I've gotten a lot of questions, uh, you know, coming to my DMs or on the site or whatever about my take on Julio Skinner and how I feel about the, the commitment date and like, I really don't, I don't care about the recruitment right now because FSU is going to get on the field and play these games. We're going to know after, maybe after one week, if FSU has got a shot at Julio Skinner come week two or week three, I think by October 9th, I will, I will definitely know where Julio Skinner's going, you know, leading up to it a week or two ahead. I think saying right now, even if, even if I fully believe like in my crystal ball, I'm a hundred percent sure how could I get on here and say Julio Skinner's going to be a lock when we don't know if FSU's third or fourth string quarterback might be starting game one? There's just so many question marks right now. I'm sticking with my crystal ball. I feel fine about it. I'm not thinking about changing it right now, but I think there's just so much, there's so many things that could change in the next couple of weeks. I'm just going to pick up his recruitment like come the end of September. Fair enough. No, I, I don't disagree with you. I think that's a good way to approach it. I Recruiting for me in August is such a back burner thing. Unless a decision is literally coming right. in there, then I care. But otherwise, it's very it's back burner. I think it is for the kids as well and the colleges. It is. And it's not for some fans, but it does go on the back burner from, for kids in colleges when they rep- report to camp. Um, one guy that wanted to kind of end all the buzz surrounding his recruitment prior to the start of fall camp was Leesburg, Georgia, uh, four-star linebacker, defensive back, Jerron Willis. Jerron Willis is a guy that we've been talking about for a long time. He committed to Georgia Tech on May 1st. Um, 
He took his official visit to FSU in June as scheduled. We weren't sure if he was going to stick to that, but he did. He came out of the visit. He told Zach Blostein and Knowles 24-7 that he had a lot to think about. Rumors started swirling that maybe he was going to uh, flip his commitment to FSU. And last Tuesday, he came out and said, I will be making a big decision or big announcement on Twitter on Friday at 2 p.m. So we started making some phone calls, started checking on some things, and it it got you and Zach to flip your crystal balls from Georgia Tech to Florida State. What was the thinking there, Chris, leading up told, to this big announcement? I did it Thursday morning before I walked out to practice at UNF after I had arrived at UNF and driving over here early in the morning. I was told matter-of-factly that the expectation was that he was decommitting on Friday with the potential of him flipping to FSU at that point then and there. Um, I did change my crystal ball. I think I put a five on and explained it as, you know, I was told this matter of factly and the person that told me it, uh, you know, kind of take them at their word with these things because they're usually not one to miss. And that I gave it a five only because the young man has been relatively back and forth throughout much of his recruitment, especially here in recent weeks and months. So on Friday at 2 p.m., Jerron Willis took to Twitter to make the big announcement that he is still committed to Georgia Tech. That was the big announcement. He never decommitted from Georgia Tech, but he got on Twitter to, to reconfirm his commitment to Georgia Tech. I don't really understand it. I don't really know why, but he sure as hell pump faked uh, us and the whole FSU fan base into thinking that either it, at a minimum, I thought a decommitment was coming. The day of, I did not think a commitment was coming just because when we were checking with our sources, they weren't really sure about what the announcement was going to be. And if it was going to be a whole flip, meaning a decommit and a commitment to FSU, we would have certainly known. So I thought heading into the announcement, we were going to get a decommitment um, is what I was expecting. I was not expecting him to renew his vows to Georgia Tech, but that's what happened. So I, I do think there was some buzz and it's tough to tell because the kid has been all over the place, like Chris said. But there was some buzz that he may have privately decommitted from Georgia Tech and told their staff a couple weeks ago that he had decommitted. So maybe that was it, why he publicly recommitted, even though he never publicly decommitted. I don't know. It was spectacular nonetheless. So, Chris, where does this put the linebacker board? Because I know there's been a lot of criticism. There's been a lot of talk about the linebacker board. So what remaining options are there? How many do we think FSU needs? RIP EJ Lightsey for Chris, by the way. Well, they have a commitment from Omar Graham. That's one. Expectation is they're going to take two to three. Wesley Basang leads that board, always has, even when Willis was on that board. I think Willis probably remains on that board, but that's one of those where he kind of let it simmer and settle down and maybe see if he shows up for that Notre Dame game on that Sunday night, and then you pick it back up, reconvene it, and see if we're doing this all again. But I ain't touching that damn crystal ball, I can tell you that. Um, well, you Daniel, can. Uh, yeah, no, I'm joking. <laughs> Daniel Martin. See, I'm not, I'm not touching my crystal ball on John Willis because when it comes to the third commitment, I'm going to get it right. <laughs> I'm going to get one of these commitments right. Daniel Martin's not a name to know. That's been Vanderbilt, Oregon, FSU consistently since I talked to him in early mm-hmm. June in person. Followed up with him again here in the last two, three days. Uh, he still intends to come to the Notre Dame game for an official visit. He's been consistent with that to me since early June. I think there's a possibility that gets moved off that date, um, but we shall see. 
I like Daniel Martin a lot, kid that's moving from safety to linebacker as far as over his high school career he's done that. Uh, talented young man. And there's some other backers I think they're keeping warm. Uh, Aubrey Smith's an example from Buford, I believe it is. He's a kid that came in in June. You know, I think we could see some others. But Besanth is the only one I can definitively say I know they want and that they love and that they hope they get right now. And then after that, it's kind of like to be determined. Yeah. <clears throat> we could see the board expand. Um, a possible time is usually three games into the high school season. Typically college coaches want to see that first three game highlight. So if offers are going to go out, it's probably not going to be now um, just because FSU lost on Jerron Willis. You know, the board is pretty much set. We'll, we'll see if some things change in the fall. Um, like you said, EJ Lightsey commits to UF. So he's now off the board. Um, the only other thing I wanted to talk about in recruiting was Juco defensive back to Carlos Nicholson announced earlier this week that he was decommitting from Mississippi State and he is now setting an official visit to FSU for November 13th, I believe. Is that the week FSU plays Miami? Correct. Yeah. And um, DeCarlos Nicholson is the number one rated Juco corner in the country. I don't know if he's a real, is he a corner? He's six foot three, 200 pounds. Well, he was a high school dual quarterback. quarterback. Yes. Um, so he is a hell of an athlete from what I understand. I didn't get to see him at the July event. I can't remember if he worked out or just showed up. Um, remember, we never I really, I remember he just, he, we never saw him in person that day. He was there for sure. Like he was communicating via DM with Zach saying like, I'm going here. I'm going, and we just never saw him. There are some on the staff involved with him who like him a hell of a lot. They are very, very, very high on what he's capable of being, what he would bring to that spot, the athleticism, the length the potential ability. It's always been for FSU with defensive backs in this class of finding the right one to kind of cap off a spectacular group that's led by Hunter and McCall. Um, Earl Little obviously would be that guy, but Bama, most people think it's a destination for him at this stage of the process. I think Nicholson and the fact that the recruitment is going to go longer term and the official is in November, it's kind of perfect. We talked about this sort of with Eston Harris, where the fact that his recruitment is going a little bit longer actually plays very well into the recruiting thoughts of the position for FSU at this stage. I think Nicholson falls in a similar conversation. Yeah, I agree with that. Um, they'll get to see him on the field this year, and they'll also get to you know, kind of evaluate what they got at the defensive back position. All right, anything else before we wrap it up? You guys know that there's the 75% off sale. If you're a regular of on the bench, now is the time to join Knowles 24-7. All right, so Brendan's waiting. Brendan's trying to tag himself in. No, I don't really want to be part of this. Uh, I could have been spacing out. Did we talk about Elijah Pritchett in the Fong crystal ball? Oh, no. Fong dropped the big one. Um, I will say that I was the first one to put in the crystal ball to the FSU firm. Just saying. And I will say I still have a crystal ball in Alabama. And I've yet to change it, even though I am mighty close to it. But Alabama's not waving that white flag on them. They have landed Dane Shore and somebody else at the position, but they're still actively pursuing them. And I think he is one of the few they would definitely take. Alabama, that is. Yeah. And I haven't put in a crystal ball on Elijah Pritchett. Um, I'm kind of just waiting. I don't, I don't think the, the fan base can't really take it right now. They're all off headed in one direction. Me dropping Elijah Pritchett crystal ball right now would probably just get generally ignored. I don't think anybody would even care, but the great Steve Wiltfong did drop one. Um, it was actually kind of prompted by me. 
Um, I had him digging on the Jerron Willis stuff last week and he calls me back and he's like, Hey, I don't got an answer on <laughs> Jerron Willis, but I just talked to so-and-so and, uh, I feel good about this Elijah Pritchett to FSU. And I go, you going to drop a ball? He's like, you're damn right. So Fong dropped his last week. Uh, that was great. Um, I'm still optimistic. I don't know. You know, we'll see. We got some time. All right. Do you think Fawn was just like, man, Sinone put in his crystal ball and that's got me feeling optimistic. And, you know, when Sinone puts in a crystal ball, no. it's usually, no. no. No, I asked him well, to call. I don't know that Will Fong knows your name. No, he knows my name. We've talked. I asked him to make a scouting call reports. to a South Georgia plug and uh, he, he didn't get the news that I needed on Willis, but he found some other news on Pritchett. But Well, he got news on Willis. And that immediately took the pin to my balloon and just oh. <laughs> like 10 minutes beforehand. Oh, recruiting, especially recruiting in August. But all right, that's it. That's it for Brendan, for Chris. I am Josh. We are on the bench. Thank you for listening. We'll be back soon. The answer lies across the ocean in a woman named Sylvie. She's a can model. Where desire leads to deception. I ended up spending twelve and fifteen thousand dollars a day. It was addictive. I can't get you out. And obsession leads to murder. Who did this to your family? You can't really maintain a fantasy forever. Control all desire. Now streaming on Paramount Plus.